everyone. Um, I have an announcement first before I read the Bible passage. Um, my friend Marjorie Camp passed away this past Wednesday. She is a sister to Diana Boot, who we support through our church. She's also a sister of Joanne Van Stryland, a daughter-in-law of uh, Hilda Van Stryland. Um, her funeral will be this coming Wednesday in Nanaimo. She did have cancer, and her passing was not sudden. It was relatively expected, but we can pray for the family that... Uh, Everybody is there with her, Diana included. She came from Uganda yesterday to be with her family and her sister's family. The passage that we're going to read this morning is John 15, verse 1 through 17. It's found on page 1676 in your pew Bibles. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's, to my father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no, man, no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Have you ever thought about what you would want your last words to be? We often hear about famous last words from different people. Does that sound a little morbid? I don't want to, I don't want to take us too far that direction, but if we think about that, I, I have never really thought about it, but I'm sure that I would want it to be something that was, was at least honoring, that was at least positive, uh, something that was, that was honoring to God. Uh, I actually looked over a, a few different quotations from different people, their last words, and to be honest, I didn't find anything too profound. 
I found some things that were a little bit humorous, but, you know, most of what I found was kind of sad, kind of hopeless. You know, we're, we're quite aware, I think, of Jesus' last words. Last words like, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Beautiful last words. Or, Father, into, my, into thy hand I commit my spirit. These are beautiful last words. But I want to back up just a little bit from Jesus' last words on the cross, and I want to spend some time looking at Jesus' last words his last words of instruction to his disciples. So that's why we're in John 15. Uh, John 14, 15, 16 is the time when Jesus is giving his last teaching to his disciples, just him and his disciples in the most intimate setting. And I keep coming back to John 15 again and again. And some of you, a few of you may recall that about three years ago, I had the opportunity to share in an evening service, and I actually looked at John 15 at that time. And I'm coming back to it, and because I have this week and next week, I'm able to spend more time working through it together. And I just feel that these are critical words that Jesus wanted to impart to his disciples, but obviously to us as well as his disciples in this time. So we're going to spend that time today in John 15. And before we do, I'd love for us to just pray together one more time. Our Father, this is your time. Come and dwell in this time. Abide in this time. Open your word to us, Lord. These are your words, and any words that are not yours, may those words just fall to the ground. And may the words that truly come from you, Lord, may they take a place in our heart and our mind and our ears. And may they change us and transform us. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, we're talking today about John 15, and that's the, the, where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. And the Bible is filled with imagery of the vine and vineyard. These images. In fact, I'd just like to ask you, and this is not a rhetorical question, can you think of some different places in the Bible? You don't have to be exact. I don't need scripture. I don't need chapter and verse. But if you can just give me some places where the the word talks about the vine and the vineyard in some way. Any, Any thoughts? Right, today we're going to look at, I am the vine and you are the branches. So here in John 15. What about some other places? Anything? Jonah said under a vine. Okay, sitting under a vine. And there there are other places that talk about sitting under a vine. And there's a sense there of, of comfort and peace in that place. Good. Yes. Yes, exactly. The prophets, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, they speak of the vine and they speak of, of God as the, the one who has planted the vine being his people Israel. Good. Can you think of any other? Yeah. Yeah. So there again, in Isaiah, where Israel is compared to a vineyard. Good. 
How about any other, can you think of any other parables of Jesus? Oh, Very good. They came into the promised land. They had vineyards that they did not plant, but they were able to eat the fruit of that. Excellent. Yes, sir. Kyle. Good. Jesus tells a parable of the tenants in the vineyard. And I want to look specifically, just very boom, 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 quickly at three. One of those is when we see God the Father is initiating by being the one who plants the vineyard. So he plants the vineyard, and Israel is his vineyard. And so we see the initiative of the Father in that way. And that's where Isaiah comes in, Jeremiah, which we referred to. Then Jesus talks, as Kyle mentioned, about the, the tenant and the, the uh, owner of the vineyard. And so Jesus tells that parable where God, of course, is the owner who has planted a vineyard, his people Israel, and he has entrusted it to the, the priests and to the Pharisees, to the leadership. And what have they done? He has sent prophets, and they beat the prophets. He sent uh, those to, to collect what was his due. And they beat them, and they killed him. And finally, he sends his son, Jesus. So here we see the incarnation of the son in the imagery of the vine in the vineyard. And then finally, today, we're going to be looking at John 15, where what we see here, I believe, is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So through the vine and vineyard imagery, God represents to us all three persons of the Godhead. The Father initiating relationship. The Son coming and dwelling in the flesh. And then the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And that's what we see here in John 15. If you look at John 14... That's where Jesus introduces the idea of the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And in John 16, he continues to speak of the Holy Spirit. We even use that today as part of our confessional. So we see that this is a a period where Jesus is teaching them about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's really teaching them about how to live the Christian life. So as we look at this today, we're going to look at both the vine and the fruit. And we're going to begin by looking at the vine. So first we'll look at the vine. What can we learn by looking at the vine? Well, let's just stop at that first small passage where it says, I am the true vine. So right away we learn that I am the true vine means that I, Jesus, am the true vine. So the true vine is a person. And that person is Jesus. And as soon as we see that the vine that we're to be connected to is a person, that immediately makes me think of relationship. Because if I'm connected to you, that's a relationship. If I'm connected with a person, there's a relationship. And relationship always implies that there is some kind of connection and commitment. You know, for us in China, we're like rock stars. I have to be honest. We stand out. We're unusual because of our blue eyes, our white skin. And when we're walking down the street, especially our boys get a lot of attention. So when they come back here, they feel a little let down. So so if you want to make our boys feel good, just go ahead and give them a little attention. Um, They think the whole world is like that. I, I shouldn't say it, but when Luke was younger, he was often compared with Justin Bieber. So I think he had it. 
In China, in China. But, you know, all those people know us, and they know who we are. They might even know that we teach at Northeast Normal University, but they really don't have a relationship with us. So to be known, to be acquainted with, to be aware of something is one thing. But to actually be in relationship with someone is totally different. There are people that we, that my students that we teach, our friends, our neighbors, people who come into our home, those are people we have relationship with. There's a sense of commitment and relationship. And it's the same when we're talking about Jesus as the true vine and us as the branches. There must be a relationship, and we know that that relationship comes through faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that's the only way that we can have that connection and that relationship. So we know, first of all, that the true vine is a person, and that person is Jesus, and that implies relationship. The second thing that we can learn, again, just looking at that one short verse, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. It really caught my attention that Jesus uses that word true. Why does he not just say, I am the vine, you are the branches? And often, I think that's the way we often quote it. We often quote it as just saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. But he says, I am the true vine. Well, I immediately, I see that and I say, well, if he said there's a true vine, then maybe there might be something that could be called a false vine. Is it a possibility there could be false vines? And today when Wayne was presenting and talking about thieves, I thought, yeah, I think that's exactly what we're talking about here. Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine. Those over there, they're thieves. And we know, too, that the enemy came to steal and kill and destroy, don't we? So there could be a possibility of false vines in our lives. So my question here is, before we go too far, and again, I would love to hear your response, what does a vine do? What is a vine? What does it do? What's its function? Okay, provides nourishment. Very good. It bears fruit. Very good. Stability, support, right? I think boom, boom, boom. You probably hit the main ones. Is anything else come to mind? Excellent. It provides connection. No, yeah, it provides connection. So connection, support, it provides nourishment, and it bears fruit. So those are all things that we can see that the vine does. So if we look at it that way, can we all agree that we all, every person in the world, must have some kind of vine? We all must have some kind of vine in our life in maybe a less of a, a literal sense and more of a figurative sense to provide us with what we need. And that might be more along the lines of, of purpose and direction and support and encouragement in our lives. Those kinds of things. So where? Where do those things come from? What could those be? Those things could be things that are false vines. Maybe materialism. It could be a sense of comfort and just feeling material comforts. could be a vine that, that feeds us and gives us energy and strength and support. It could be things like my own self-sufficiency, my ability to provide for myself and to say, 
I did this myself. I don't need anyone. I'm independent. It could be a job security. That could be a vine. Because it's something that provides you with purpose and direction in your life. And gives you a sense of accomplishment. It could be affirmation. I can be a bit of an affirmation junkie. I like it when people tell me I've done something well. And that might be something that feeds me and nourishes me. But maybe not in the best way. You know, some of these vines could be good things. They could even be good things. Things like family, things like friends, even things like church can be a false vine. They could be vines that we are depending on that give us a sense of purpose and satisfaction in our lives, but in reality, they're not the true vine. So we really need to be careful when we think about the vines. You know, Romans one twenty five. Romans one twenty five says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. You see that balance? They exchanged the truth of God, the true vine, for a lie. And they worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. Does that sound a little bit like plugging into a false vine? Because sometimes we can turn our backs on the creator and elevate the created thing. In other words, instead of focusing on the giver, we focus on the gift. And so even these good things, friends, family, our church activities, our job, those are all good things that God has created, right? But instead of worshiping the creator, sometimes we get more attached to the created things the gifts that he has given us. So what I want us to do right now is I want us to test our vine, so to speak. So how can we test our vine? I have two questions. The first question is this. How would I feel, ask yourself, how would I feel if blank were no longer a part of my life? You fill in the blank. That blank could be a person. It could be a dream, an aspiration that you have. It could be an activity. I'm just going to be quiet for a minute. I want you to lock in on something that really is very, very dear and precious to you, that gives you a lot of of life and meaning. I'm going to just shut up, and I'm going to let you think for a while, how would it feel if that were taken away from you? I would expect there would be a lot of pain. There would be loss. There would be grief if this particular thing or person were no longer a part of your life. It was gone, and you were no longer connected to that. There would be a sense of loss. Absolutely. And that would be very, very normal. Now let me ask you a second question. A second question is, If Jesus were no longer a part of my life, how would I feel? I'm not talking about 
Jesus as in church, activity, these kinds of things. I'm talking about Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ and your relationship with him. If you were no longer connected with him, how would that feel? Take a minute. Okay, so now let's just be honest. I want to be honest myself. I want you to be honest, and I'm not going to ask anyone to raise hands or respond, but which of these would leave the greater void in your life if it were absent? Psalm 73 says, Who have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. The psalmist was connected to the true vine. All of his needs were met in his relationship to God, his connectedness to God. And you know, Paul uses very, very similar language. Paul says, I count all things loss in comparison with the surpassing greatness of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. Paul was plugged into the true vine. He said all this rest, he actually calls it garbage or rubbish. Anything else, no matter how beautiful and wonderful and great it is, in comparison with being connected with Jesus, with God through Jesus, It's rubbish. That's being connected to the true vine. Okay, so we've looked at the vine. Let's take a bit of time now to look at the fruit. Let's turn our attention that direction. And in John 15, you can see that I've just listed the verses here where Jesus talks about fruit and being fruitful. I won't read these, but I hope that just at a glance you can see that Jesus felt that this was a significant part of what he wanted to convey to his disciples and to us. And what he says here, you see about bearing fruit, being fruitful, bearing much fruit, go and bear fruit. And often we say when we're looking at Scripture that if we see something that's mentioned one or two times, we really need to focus on it if it's mentioned more than once. But here, this is repeated six, seven, eight times. That really should get our attention. So what do we need to know about the fruit? Now, When we look at the fruit, we can also hear Jesus' words in Luke where he says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. So what Jesus is telling us here is that it is possible to judge our fruit and in a way... By judging the fruit, we have an idea of what the vine is like as well. Because the fruit cannot be any different from the vine to which it is attached. It's not possible. So what we're going to do is we're going to test our fruit a little bit. But before we test our fruit, before we go too far, I just want to give us a word of warning. We have to be careful to make a division between 
the fruit of the Spirit, things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, those things that we can rattle off pretty easily, those are some of the things I believe that at VBS we were being taught this week too. Talking about different fruits and different things that, we, that God gives us. But we have to be careful because sometimes the fruit of the f- Spirit can look a little bit like the fruit of the flesh. These two can rub up against each other. And let me explain what I mean. Uh, Timothy Keller, who's a, a pastor in New York City at Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Maybe you've heard of him. He points out that the fruit of the flesh comes when we are not truly living as though we are saved by grace. But we are still working on our own effort to justify ourselves before God through our works. So do you see how something good, some kind of fruit that is good, can actually be the fruit of the flesh? I can do good things. I can produce out of my flesh. I can produce good things. I can, I can do good deeds. But that is not necessarily the fruit of the Spirit. So let's look, and again, we're going to test our fruit. We tested the vine, now we're going to test the fruit. And the first question I have in testing the fruit is, is this fruit that gives glory to God? Is it fruit that gives glory to God, or does it bring me glory? If we can look at John 15, verse 8, we see that Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So it's to my Father's glory that you bear fruit. The only reason that we bear fruit, it's not for your good, it's not for my good, it's not for his or her good, it's for God's glory. My fruit that I bear in my life has no meaning whatsoever. It's as filthy rags. Unless it's for God's glory. Unless it's for God's glory. You know, the religions of the world all have the idea of doing good deeds. Of, in, some, in some situations they call it building merit or gaining merit. Because you want to do as many good things as you can so that you have a better afterlife or a better reincarnation or whatever it is they believe in. So, Christians are not the only ones who do good things. How do our good deeds, how are they set apart from the good deeds of others? Well, let's look at Matthew 5.16. It says, and I'm going to ask us all if we can read this together. Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See that? The good deeds are obviously our fruit that's being born in our lives. But what is the result of seeing those good deeds? Glory to God. Not glory to me. Not benefit to me. That's not the point. So first we need to look at the fruit in our lives and say, is this fruit that brings glory to me or to God? I think John the Baptist was an excellent example of this. Because John the Baptist was out and he was doing amazing things. His life was bearing amazing fruit. Many people 
Crowds were coming to him and hearing him preach repentance, and he was baptizing them, and then he was pointing them to Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he said. But what did John's disciples do? John's disciples saw all the crowds going to Jesus, and they came to John, and they said, John, do you see what's happening? All the people are going to that guy who came to you to be baptized. Their view was, all of your good deeds are bringing glory to somebody else. And John says, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. That's what's supposed to happen. What did John say? He said, he must increase and I must decrease. He understood that all the good that he did, all the fruit that he was bearing in his life, if it did not point people to Jesus and glorify the Father, that it was worthless. So first question, is your fruit in your life fruit that brings glory to God? And then the second question, is your fruit fruit that abides? Is it fruit that lasts and remains? Let's look at John 15, verse 16. Verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Fruit that will abide. Fruit that will remain. What does that look like? Well, we have a really good picture in Jeremiah. And again, I'll ask that all of us read this together. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. We have a beautiful picture here of someone who's connected to the vine. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord is that connection to the vine, that relationship that we talked about at the beginning. His confidence is in God and his roots are going deep. And what is the last part here? It says, it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. What is drought? What is famine? It's the difficulties in our lives. So how do we judge if the fruit that we have will last and remain? When we go through hard times, what happens to that fruit? Does it shrivel up and dry? Or does it continue to stay fresh? And healthy. That is the fruit that is born by someone who's connected to the vine. The fruit that withers up in hard times, that's the fruit of the flesh. I can keep up a facade for a certain length of time that I'm a good person and that I can do good things. But when I hit hard times, when illness comes, when difficulties, when frustrations, when somebody pulls out in front of me, let's be honest, it doesn't have to be something big. But when small things, there's, there's too many people identifying with that last one. <laughs> it's when those little things come out that we say, oh, my joyful fruit all of a sudden fell off the tree. Why is that? Well, that's because I was the one who was kind of pushing it out and trying to make it happen. It was not being attached to the true vine with good fruit that will last. This is such a beautiful picture. Such a beautiful picture. 
of someone whose trust is in God. That's the fruit that will last. That's the fruit that comes from being plugged into the true vine. So what have we learned? We've only looked at two very simple things today. First of all, we learned that the only good fruit comes from abiding in the true vine. You're not going to get good fruit unless you're abiding in the true vine. That's number one. Number two, the only true vine is Jesus. Those two simple things. Now we've looked at the vine and we've looked at the fruit that comes. So we've left out kind of the the middleman, so to speak. And that is the branch. We haven't talked anything about the branch today. And there's much to be said. And and actually next week is where we're going to focus more on the branch. And we're going to focus on what does it mean to abide in Jesus. But today I'll just say two simple things about the branch. And that is asking first of all the question, what kind of branch am I? What kind of branch am I? Jesus only gives us two options here in John 15. He says, you can either be a branch that is abiding and alive and bearing fruit attached to me through relationship, or you can be a branch that is cast aside and lying on the ground and withered, which will be picked up and thrown into the fire. That's all. It's one or the other. So the simple question today for all of us is, what kind of branch am I? I've looked at the vine. We've looked at the vine and we've said, okay, these are the kinds of vines, or this is the vine I'm, I'm attached to. This is the fruit that I'm bearing or not bearing in my life. So what does that say about who I am? What kind of branch I am? So the question is simple. Am I a branch that is attached and abiding and alive in Jesus? Or, going back to our very first statement, I am the true vine. Or, am I not attached through relationship in Jesus? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So there's no attachment to the Father. There's no attachment to salvation without Jesus. So this week, I would encourage us all to spend a little bit of time. Think about what vines are in our lives. Are they thieves, possibly? Are there some thieves that we're attached to? What kind of fruit is being born in our lives? And I would encourage all of us to maybe spend some time in uh, John 15 this week in preparation for next week so that we can look more deeply. Next week we're going to look at what does it mean to abide truly in Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, there is one true vine. There is one Savior. There is one true God. There is one way to experience life and experience life to the full. And that is through Jesus. Holy Spirit, examine us. 
Help us to examine ourselves honestly and see where we are attached and where we are separated from you. Lord God, bring conviction, bring renewal, bring life, and bring good fruit for your glory and your glory alone in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now the praise team's going to come and...